Welcome to the weekly podcast of the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro. VOH Radio brings an in-depth understanding of the scriptures prophetically, rich revelation of the early church apostolic fathers, and biblical interpretation of the biggest news and political stories of our day. Take VOH Radio with you on the go. Listen on demand weekly. New programs released every Monday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, TuneIn, and more. To partner with us, please go to voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. Or email us at radio at voh.church. You're listening to The Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petro. Blessings, this is Mike Petro, and you're listening to Voice of Healing Radio. It's a wonderful season, I believe, that the church is coming into. We're really in a time that God is moving in such an incredible way. The signs of the times are all around us. With all the things that we've been seeing and things that are happening in the earth, from politics to to, uh, literally plagues in the earth, it's amazing to me that we as Christians should really be picking up the mantle of of going out and and winning people to Christ. Um, so many people are asking questions right now. People that aren't believers. Um, not too long ago, I just talked to a young guy that was talking about how he felt like the end of the world was here or something was wrong. And it's it's amazing to me how many people. Um, are are saying that how many people feel like something is really wrong something is really off and i feel that we are really in a divine time that we can reach out and and touch somebody's life um we had an incredible testimony uh in our church here a few weeks ago just actually just last week where that um uh, a lady came to the church with her children, and it was the first time she was at, or not the uh, second time she was at our church. And uh, when I was there, I was preaching actually about, you know, the same thing, reaching out. The Lord had been telling me that it's time, you know, that we we reach our loved ones, that we reach our neighbors, that neighbors are so important, that just to go over and share with them, especially the older neighbors, people that are alone, you know, uh, there should be something in our heart that would make us want to go and talk to them and, you know, talk to them about Jesus. A lot of our our neighbors and friends, uh, uh, neighbors, uh, they sit there. They're, they do nothing. They have nothing to do. Uh, a lot of people, you would be surprised uh, how many people don't have families and they just sit in the house all day. And as they get older, they they become more and more afraid to go out. It's a perfect opportunity just to walk over and say, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, um, you know, cut your neighbor's lawn. Um, just reaching out and being a servant for Christ. Uh, there's so many more people that we could reach. And I was just talking about that at in at the church, and here one of our young men that works with uh, the media ministry was uh, he lives out in this 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 place i mean he's he's out there 
And it, it's sort of comical. We bought the, this house up on the top of this hill and literally I, I'm, I'm shocked in his car he can even get to it. It's almost like you need a Land Rover to get up there. And down the street from him, the, the first house down the street from him, his neighbor happened to be just this lady that was uh, had just started coming to church. And as he was, you know, going back down, he would wonder when he would uh, go past her house during the during the week and just, you know, wondered who lived there. I uh, never made a, you know, an attempt to stop by and just say, hi, I'm your neighbor. And uh, literally one day he was uh, driving over there the next day after church and her son was out in front, you know, taking the garbage out. And he immediately recognized this, you know, young man. And he stopped and he said, you know, do you remember me? And the, the young boy goes, yeah, you go to church. And uh, next thing you know, they started talking. And here this sister who would, had been looking for a church and looking for family really was not only just touched by that, but, um, you know, now uh, you can see uh, the other people from the church going over saying hi and just really made her feel like welcome and and thankful that the Lord reached out to her. She'd actually been praying to have a church family. And because of what happened that day, literally, you know, it's, it's really affected her walk in, in a very special way, you know, in a way of a miracle because, you know, when you when you cry out to the Lord and you say, Lord, I want, you know, people around me that are your children, that are really Christians, and and he answers you like that and shows you something that really says a lot. It says a lot about the body. It says a lot about the church. And we're in a season where there's so many people that we could be touching that that are really wondering what's going on. So many things uh, biblically are happening, and we don't really have to go and, you know, even talk about those things. We just need to go share our faith and share Jesus with people, really live the life of that servant. Because in the early church, there was no pew sitters. There was no—the they, the early church did not know what a Wednesday and Sunday service was. The early church was all about church every day. And not just church for, oh, we, uh, we went to church today for 45 minutes or an hour, an hour and a half. Church back then went to the wee hours of the morning. That's why Paul, you know, this, this the, 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 the story of Paul and the young man fell asleep while Paul was preaching and fell out of a window. And uh, basically, Paul had to go pray for that man and bring him back to life. We need to understand that we get we have to get back to what the early church believed how they thought you know and and how they brought the word of god because they were raising up disciples they were not raising up pew sitters and so uh can you imagine sitting in a service where a pastor is preaching 6 7 8 hours you should be able to that's that should be the norm in the body of christ because he's not there to feed your flesh. He's there to feed your inner man, your spirit man. And if your spirit man's away, he'll easily be able to, to be excited through the whole thing. You know, we can sit on a Sunday, a lot of guys that I know, and watch, you know, football from 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock, and then the evening game starts, 
from uh, 5 o'clock till 8 o'clock at night. So he's been in front of the television from 1 o'clock to sometimes 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night watching a game. How can we say that we love Jesus and we can't even spend a few hours with him? How can we say that? When the early church was so in love with Christ that they that, that every night, even in the mornings, they were pressing into the teachings of Jesus. They were, were, were there to the wee hours in the morning, even to the point where they fell asleep. See, we really need to ask ourselves a question. Jesus was very adamant when he talked about the end of the age, will I find faith? That's a, that's a powerful statement. Will I even find faith? The Bible says if those days were not cut short, if possible, even the very elect could be deceived. What is deception? Deception means you learn something that isn't the truth. How is it that we don't even know what these things mean, and yet we think, well, I prayed this prayer, and because I prayed this prayer, I'm good to go. But it stops at the prayer the fire, the relationship, the discipleship. You know, the early church, you could have almost pulled anybody out of the church and they could preach because that's how well they knew God's word. Matter of fact, they would not even let you into the church until you went through three years of teaching. Then you became a Christian. So that should really challenge all of us. And when I say challenge, I'm not talking about oh, yeah, I can do a little better this week. I'm not talking about a challenge. We're just doing a little bit better. I'm talking about walking out what the early church walked out, knowing what they know, being able to be in a five, six, seven-hour service and say, you know what? I can't wait to come back. You say, well, who does six or seven-hour services? Actually, we do. On Sundays, I used to get up in the morning for the new people and do an hour, hour and a half service just for them to get them to understand just foundational teachings uh, that had to do with the revelation of the word. And then we went back at one o'clock and sometimes we're there till eight or nine o'clock at night. Why? Believe it or not, people are hungry. See, people would not come to a six, seven, eight hour service because in the religious system, it was so dead they didn't want to be there. So I would give them that crumb in that morning service. Yeah, I'll go to I'll go to that one hour service, that one and a half hour service. And when they were in there, the hook would get into them. They would be like, you know, well, this week, this was good. You know, second week, this is really good. You know, I'm gonna try that other seven hour service because I'm hungry for Christ. See, if we bring to the table a feast where people are being touched and it's affecting their lives, then that anointing of God has the ability to transform them. And I've heard every excuse where, oh, yeah, you can only pay attention for so long, blah, 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 blah. I wonder if you would tell Paul, you can only listen so long. Paul, you shouldn't be preaching to the wee hours in the morning. It's just way too late. And look what happened a couple of weeks ago. That guy fell out the window and died. Thank God, you know, the God listens to you and you could raise him from the dead. Really? 
Really? I don't think Paul would go to our churches today. I think he would think our churches are jokes. I think Paul had to preach for hours and hours to get people ready. I believe when Jesus says that only a remnant is coming in, I believe that. I believe when Jesus says there's going to be a great falling away from the truth, I believe that at the end of the age. When Jesus says, many shall come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I don't even know you. Can you imagine your whole life going to a church, to a denomination, and you think you're right with God, but you find out that that denomination was dead. You stand before the Lord, and you say, and he says, I never knew you. You know, the early church used to teach in order for God to know us, we had to be born again, born of the Spirit, meaning the only way that we can really know God is to be born of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has to come into us and bear witness to Jesus. Yeah, we must be born again. Before we get back into this teaching, VOH Radio would like to send you my book, Access Behind the Veil, The Coming Glory, an overview of many years of study into the early church fathers and their accounts of end-time events. Order your copy now by visiting voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. For this month, we want to give our listeners a code for 10% off on our new 2021 Pentecost merchandise line. To use this code, visit us at voh.church backslash merch and click on the Pentecostal line and use the code FIRE2021. That code again is FIRE2021 to purchase today. We want to thank you for partnering with us at VOH Radio and Reaching the Nations. Paul said, make sure that the light in you is in darkness. Meaning there's people that actually think they have light, but in reality, that light is darkness. It's not really even what God intended. That's a scary thing, that we should be preaching the light of God. In reality, we're teaching something that is not his light. It's not his light. It's not the revelation of who he is. We're teaching something that literally goes into darkness, but yet we don't read it that way. We just think, well, you know, everything's just going to be all right. Just, you know, I went to church, therefore I'm good with God. You know, Lord, uh, uh, that's all I need. But in reality, the Lord's calling us into this place with him that we would be ready for this great, great battle, this persecution for truth. And yet, most Christians I know walk around in fear. Oh my God, I'm afraid of the coronavirus. Oh my God, I'm I'm afraid of this. I'm isn't it interesting? You know, I've been saying it for over a year. Because I'm a pray, I'm a I'm a prayer warrior. I'm in prayer. I'm praying with the Lord all the time. And I the Lord was saying, you know what? This is going this is nothing. This is nothing at all. This is, is not that big a deal. 
But now we find out there's whole countries that never took shots, that never got corona, that, that you know, uh, that, that, you know, never got sick. We have counties. We have, we actually have cities in the state of Texas and other states also that never even listened to the mandates, went out, did their work, did what they were going to do, never wore masks, could care less. But nobody died. It's amazing to me that, you know, when you, when you look on the CDC and you look at the, uh, the uh, death rates and everything uh, for the last three years, that the death rate hasn't changed. Hmm, I wonder why. I wonder why. You know, I, I might get trouble in trouble for saying this, but it's right there on the CDC website. You can see it for yourself. All of a sudden, you know, the last few years, nobody died from pneumonia, which was actually a pretty big killer, especially for older saints and older people. But not in the last year. The death toll, actually there was no death toll for people that had pneumonia. Huh. Maybe every, maybe. Maybe we, we have found the, the answer for pneumonia. Maybe, maybe there's something in the food now that we don't ever have to worry about anybody dying from pneumonia, but nobody wants to believe it because we are watching news that's really fake news and we need to wake up to what we're looking at. We need to wake up and realize something is happening that is, isn't right. Something is very false, and we can't be sheep any longer, you know. Sheep just sit there and wait, uh, you know, very timidly afraid of things. We got to get past that sheepish mentality. Amen? So if God is calling us into deeper things and for us really to... Uh, move into the things that God has for us. How is that ever going to happen if we don't give all of our life, that our life is not our own? It can't happen. God is calling us to a place and into a season in him and this next move of God that's going to change and shake the nations. Amen. Hebrews chapter 8, Paul says this. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying now, you know, people have uh, said to me, well, we really don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It sounds like Paul, but you know, it could have been somebody else. There's no facts or there, there's no proof. Well, actually, if you read the early church fathers, uh, the early church fathers tell us that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, a minister of the sanctuary under the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest uh, uh, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, 
For God said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. So isn't it interesting that the tabernacle that was on the earth, the tabernacle which Moses and Aaron were in charge of, the high priestly order, the high priestly order was the descendants of Aaron. And we know that Jesus was considered also that high, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Moses uh, was considered part of that priestly lineage. But when we also look at Jesus, it calls Jesus our high priest. And we know that Jesus was not a descendant of Aaron. He was not part of the high priestly order as far as a descendant of Aaron, a Levite, or any of those. So how could Jesus be our high priest? And what is this tabernacle that he is in charge of, this heavenly tabernacle, that has nothing to do with the earthly one? What's well, very easy to see, because it says in Hebrews 8, 5, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you to on the mountain. So when Moses built the tabernacle on the earth, it was a pattern of a heavenly tabernacle, meaning the earthly one was to show us how the heavenly one operated. Now, there's a very interesting question you got to ask yourself. What was this earthly tabernacle supposed to do? There's only one purpose for the tabernacle. This is where you brought your sin offering to deal with your sin. That's, the, that's really the only purpose of the temple of God. The people that were living in sin would bring their lambs, would bring their, their doves, would bring their first fruits, would bring their their wheat offerings, grain offerings, would bring their oxes according to the level of wealth that they had. And the more wealth you had, the higher you had to bring a sacrifice. You were not allowed to bring the sacrifice of a poor person. And isn't it interesting that all that tabernacle was about was to fulfill the purpose that God wanted in the earth to atone for people's sins. So there's a, again, this question has to rise up. Okay. If the tabernacle on earth is a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, for if Jesus were on the earth, he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So the pattern that was on the earth was a picture of the heavens. Very simple question. Is there sin in heaven? Is there sin in the heavenlies because the earthly tabernacle was only a pattern of the heavenly. And according to scripture, God never, and it, Paul even tells us, God never wanted our sacrifices. God never wanted our sacrifices. God never wanted 
the sacrifices that were given at the tabernacle or the temple. And it's, and Paul says they never had the ability to take away sin. So the earthly pattern was only to show us something that was happening in this, in the heavens. But so if there's a pattern of the heavens, hallelujah, and there's a temple in the heavens, is there sin there? And there's a simple answer for that. There cannot be sin in heaven. So this heavenly tabernacle that the earthly was a pattern on in the Old Testament has to be the saints. It has to be the believer. How do I know that? Because what Jesus said, Jesus told the disciples, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Heaven is in you. Hallelujah. So if heaven is in us and the tabernacle is in the earth that Moses was working in was really a picture of us, then you understand why Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? So there can't be three temples. There can't be a temple that was in the Old Testament. And there's a temple that's in the heaven and then you're a temple. No, no, no. You're the temple that God is concerned about. Because Paul goes and tells us that those sheep that were sacrificed, those things that were sacrificed could never take away sin. But you know, the early church fathers called those sheep and those things beasts, meaning they had to kill the beast. And if you do a real study on the mark of the beast, actually it has everything to do with our beastly nature. Things that we put before the kingdom of God, things that we don't care what God wants. We only want what we want. We put our opinions above what is truth. And that's a scary thing because when we do that, it's proof that we really do not believe God's word. And it's proof that we really have no fear of God. The Lord said, Jesus said, why do you say that you love me and you don't obey my commandments? See, the whole temple was built around following the commandments. The letter of the commandment kills, but the spirit of the commandment gives life. And what the Lord is trying to do is create life in us. And that's not earthly life, not a better life, not that I live this world in a better way. It's talking about the God life in us the presence of God, the presence of Jesus, and the power of Christ through his Holy Spirit that he wants in each and every one of us. We should have a strong desire and hunger for a deeper relationship with Christ that nothing else would surpass it. This is Mike Petro, and you're listening to The Voice of Healing Radio. Bless you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, partner with us by heading to voh.church forward slash radio. That's voh.church forward slash radio. Your financial gift helps the Voice of Healing Radio bring revelation to God's kingdom and to the nations. Have a testimony or prayer request? Call us at 1-877-440-3737. That's 1-877-440-3737. Send us an email at radio at voh.church. And don't forget to add VOH Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for your current updates. 
This is the Voice of Healing Radio with Michael Petrone.